Chapter Eleven of the Lost Princess. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Serenka. The Lost Princess by George MacDonald. Chapter Eleven. After Prince was gone, the princess by degrees fell back into some of her bad old ways from which only the presence of the dog, not her own betterment, had kept her. She never grew nearly so selfish again, but she began to let her old angry self lift up its head once more, until by and by she grew so bad that the shepherdess declared she should not stop in the house a day longer, for she was quite unendurable. "'It's all very well for you, husband,' she said for you haven't her all day about you and only see the best of her. But if you had her in work instead of play hours, you would like her no better than I do. And then it's not her ugly passions only, but when she's in one of her tantrums, it's impossible to get any work out of her. At such times she's just as obstinate as, as, as she was going to say, as Agnes, but the feelings of a mother overcame her, and she could not utter the words. In fact, she said instead, she makes my life miserable. The shepherd felt he had no right to tell his wife she must submit to have her life made miserable, and therefore, although he was really much attached to Rosamond, he would not interfere, and the shepherdess told her she must look out for another place. The princess was, however, this much better than before, even in respect of her passions, that they were not quite so bad, and after one was over she was really ashamed of it. But not once, ever since the departure of Prince, had she tried to check the rush of the evil temper when it came upon her. She hated it when she was out of it, and that was something, but while she was in it she went full swing with it wherever the Prince of the power of it pleased to carry her. Nor was this all although she might by this time have known well enough that as soon as she was out of it she was certain to be ashamed of it she would yet justify it to herself with twenty different arguments that looked very good at the time but would have looked very poor indeed afterwards if then she had ever remembered them she was not sorry to leave the shepherd's cottage for she felt certain of soon finding her way back to her father and mother and she would indeed have set out long before, but that her foot had somehow got hurt when Prince gave her his last admonition, and she had never since been able for long walks, which she sometimes blamed as the cause of her temper growing worse. But if people are good-tempered only when they are comfortable, what thanks have they? Her foot was now much better, and as soon as the shepherdess had thus spoke, she resolved to set out at once and work or beg her way home. At the moment she was quite unmindful of what she owed the good people, and indeed was as yet incapable of understanding a tenth part of her obligation to them. So she bade them good-bye without a tear and limped her way down the hill, leaving the shepherdess weeping and the shepherd looking very grave. When she reached the valley she followed the course of the stream, knowing only that it would lead her away from the hill where the sheep fed into richer lands where were farms and cattle rounding out one of the roots of the hill 
she saw before her a poor woman walking slowly along the road with the burden of heather upon her back and presently passed her but had gone only a few paces farther when she heard her calling after her in a kind old voice your shoe tie is loose my child but rosamund was growing tired for her foot had become painful and so she was cross and neither returned answer nor paid heed to the warning for when we are cross all our other faults grow busy and poke up their ugly heads like maggots and the princess's old dislike to doing anything that came to her with the least air of advice about it returned in full force my child said the woman again if you don't fasten your shoe tie it will make you fall mind your own business said rosamond without even turning her head and had not gone more than three steps when she fell flat on her face on the path she tried to get up but the effort forced from her a scream for she had sprained the ankle of the foot that was already lame the old woman was by her side instantly where are you hurt child she asked throwing down her burden and kneeling beside her go away screamed rosamond you made me fall you bad woman the woman made no reply but began to feel her joints and soon discovered the sprain then in spite of rosamond's abuse and the violent pushes and even kicks she gave her she took the hurt ankle in her hands and stroked and pressed it gently kneading it as it were with her thumbs as if coaxing every particle of the muscles into its right place nor had she done so long before rosamond lay still at length she ceased and said now my child you may get up i can't get up and i'm not your child cried rosamond go away without another word the woman left her took up her burden and continued her journey in a little while rosamond tried to get up and not only succeeded but found she could walk and indeed presently discovered that her ankle and foot also were now perfectly well i wasn't much hurt after all she said to herself nor sent a single grateful thought after the poor woman whom she speedily passed once more upon the road without even a greeting late in the afternoon she came to a spot where the path divided into two and was taking the one she liked the look of better when she started at the sound of the poor woman's voice whom she thought she had left far behind again calling her she looked round and there she was toiling under her load of heather as before you are taking the wrong turn child she cried how can you tell that said rosamond you know nothing about where i want to go i know that road will take you where you won't want to go said the woman i shall know when i get there then returned rosamond and no thanks to you she set off running the woman took the other path and was soon out of sight by and by rosamond found herself in the midst of peat moss a flat lonely dismal black country she thought however the road would soon lead her across to the other side of it among the farms and went on without anxiety but the stream which had hitherto been her guide had now vanished and when it began to grow dark rosamond found that she could no longer distinguish the track she turned therefore but only to find that the same darkness covered it behind as well 
as before. Still she made the attempt to go back by keeping as direct a line as she could, for the path was straight as an arrow, but she could not see enough even to start her in a line, and she had not gone far before she found herself hemmed in apparently on every side by ditches and pools of black dismal slimy water, and now it was so dark that she could see nothing more than the gleam of a bit of clear sky now and then in the water. Again and again she stepped knee-deep in black mud and once tumbled down in the shallow edge of a terrible pool, after which she gave up the attempt to escape the meshes of the watery net, stood still, and began to cry bitterly, despairingly. She saw now that her unreasonable anger had made her foolish, as well as rude, and felt that she was justly punished for her wickedness to the poor woman, who had been so friendly to her. What would Prince think of her if he knew? She cast herself on the ground, hungry and cold and weary. Presently she thought she saw long creatures come heaving out of the black pools. A toad jumped upon her, and she shrieked and sprang to her feet, and would have run away headlong when she spied in the distance a faint glimmer. She thought it was a will-o'-the-wisp. What could he be after? Was he looking for her? She dared not run, lest he should see and pounce upon her. The light came nearer and grew brighter and larger. Plainly the little fiend was looking for her. He would torment her. After many twistings and turnings among the pools, it came straight towards her, and she would have shrieked, but that terror made her dumb. It came nearer and nearer, and lo! It was borne by a dark figure with a burden on its back. It was the poor woman and no demon that was looking for her. She gave a scream of joy, fell down weeping at her feet, and clasped her knees. Then the poor woman threw away her burden, laid down her lantern, took the princess up in her arms, folded her cloak around her, and having taken up her lantern again, carried her slowly and carefully through the midst of the black pools, winding hither and thither. All night long she carried her thus, slowly and wearily, until at length the darkness grew a little thinner, an uncertain hint of light came from the east, and the poor woman, stopping on the brow of a little hill, opened her cloak and set the princess down. I can carry you no farther, she said. Sit there on the grass till the light comes. I will stand here by you. Rosamond had been asleep. Now she rubbed her eyes and looked, but it was too dark to see anything more than that there was a sky over her head. Slowly the light grew until she could see the form of the poor woman standing in front of her, and as it, it went on growing she began to think she had seen her somewhere before, till all at once she thought of the wise woman and saw it must be she. Then she was so ashamed that she bent down her head and could look at her no longer. But the poor woman spoke, and the voice was that of the wise woman, and every word went deep into the heart of the princess. Rosamond, she said, All this time, ever since I carried you from your father's palace, I have been doing what I could to make you a lovely creature. Ask yourself how far I have succeeded. 
all her past story since she found herself first under the wise woman's cloak arose and glided past the inner eyes of the princess and she saw and in a measure understood it all but she sat with her eyes on the ground and made no sign then said the wise woman below there is the forest which surrounds my house i am going home if you please to come there with me i will help you in a way i could not do now to be good and lovely i will wait you there all day but if you start at once you may be there long before noon i shall have your breakfast waiting for you one thing more the beasts have not yet all gone home to their holes but i give you my word not one will touch you so long as you keep coming nearer to my house she ceased rosamond sat waiting to hear something more but nothing came she looked up she was alone alone once more always being left alone because she would not yield to what was right oh how safe she had felt under the wise woman's cloak she had indeed been good to her and she had in return behaved like one of the hyenas of the awful wood what a wonderful house it was she lived in and again all her own story came up into her brain from her repentant heart why didn't she take me with her she said i would have gone gladly and she wept but her own conscience told her that in the very middle of her shame and desire to be good she had returned no answer to the words of the wise woman she had sat like a tree stump and done nothing she tried to say there was nothing to be done but she knew at once that she could have told the wise woman she had been very wicked and asked her to take her with her nothing to be done said her conscience cannot you rise and walk down the hill and through the wood but the wild beast there it is you don't believe the wise woman yet did she not tell you the beast would not touch you but they are so horrid yes they are but it would be far better to be eaten up alive by them than live on such a worthless creature as you are why you're not fit to be thought about by any but bad ugly creatures this was how herself talked to her end of chapter 11 recording by elizabeth storenka